This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 330 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund's 2-0 loss against Mainz and we will preview Saturday's game in Leipzig, which is already penultimate match day for that. And more joins me, Konstantin Egner. Hello, Konstantin. How are you doing? Hi, Stefan. Fine. How are you? I'm doing very well myself, and I'm uh, very happy to announce that we have two sponsors for this episode. First, we are sponsored by Borussia Dortmund Romania Fan Club. Some of you may remember the uh, Borussia Dortmund Fans Around the World episode with Dragos Lazarescu. And we are also sponsored by Zach Hill, who made a very generous donation. So thanks to Romania and to Zach. Well... Konstantin, I feel like this is all the positivity that's out there already because uh, that 2-0 win by Mainz was uh, pretty pretty dull, I, I felt. It wasn't a fun game to watch from a Dortmund perspective apart from maybe the first, I don't know, 20 minutes or so. But afterwards, it was just all downhill. So uh, I, I think you were just flicking through the games as, as you watched the uh, Wednesday night games. Yeah, uh, as you said, we have already reached a high point in our show um, <laughs> with, the, with the generous donations. One million dollars, right? One million. You're now going big here. Stefan's already coked out of his mind. But getting back to football, yes, I switched a little bit from game to game because uh, especially after Bayern winning the championship on Tuesday, uh, it was even more pointless to watch the Dortmund game like all invested because like why what's going to happen given the lackluster performance um against Dusseldorf um more or less promised that uh, Dortmund will have another one <laughs> against Mainz I I think that was like the protection for this match um that they will lose to Mainz all right um didn't see that coming quite frankly uh because Mainz have been quite atrocious uh, for the most part but on the other hand, I mean, I can see that, you know, on a somewhat rainy Wednesday evening in an empty Dortmund stadium, even Leo Messi would have struggled, I guess, maybe, or perhaps not. <laughs> I don't I don't know about Messi, but uh, yeah, I can I can definitely see uh, why Dortmund weren't on, on the level you would expect them. I mean, I feel like they've petered out a little bit in uh, the last two games against Hertha which was a very uh, solid performance, but it wasn't uh, the fireworks, to be honest. And Düsseldorf, uh, yeah, the, this could have easily resulted in a draw or in a loss. But then uh, Dortmund had the old smash and grab at the end. So, um, yeah, it wasn't completely unsurprising. But uh, then again, I did not see it coming at all because I thought that Dortmund at least would pull it together. And I actually did not expect Mainz to play that well. Um, under Achim Bayer-Lotzer, maybe... Uh, this is uh, where some credit is due, Konstantin. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I of course followed uh, the Twitter bubble um, <laughs> uh, during the match, That's as I very always do. With credit, however. Yes. Um, no, no, no. But but uh, you know, g- give some time, give it a preview. I, I will I will get to the point of uh, Arim Biolors or uh, next German national coach or something. <laughs> um, no, but I was I was following the the, the Twitter bubble uh, during the match, uh, and a couple of people. Um, tweeting repeatedly um, and frequently during uh, Dortmund matches also pointed out that uh, Mainz actually played quite well. Um, and I think sometimes that's overshadowed. Um, and I, if you even, I saw one tweet where someone was writing or basically saying um, Mainz could, or a team like Mainz could beat Dortmund 6-0 and people would still talk about Dortmund screwing up instead of you know, Mainz performing well, especially in the context of their season. Um, I mean, Mainz, as I said, they have been quite atrocious for the most part of the season. A couple of good performances, but most performances were lackluster or even really ridiculously bad. Um, so I think in, in, in a match like that against the Dortmund team that weren't uh, at 100%, I think, or performing at 100% at least, um, still uh, Mainz did quite well. Biolots are known as a defensive-minded coach, I think you can say. Um, you could really uh, see um, how Mainz defended quite well, um, stayed compact, um, and also were not giving, as by that, were not giving Dortmund the space uh, they needed, especially, I mean, you got a couple of situations where Hassar or Sancho received the pass, you know, Right up there in these in these uh, half spaces uh, somewhere in the in, in Mainz half, um, and then they were just you know standing with their back to the goal and and didn't know what to do because there was no there was no one open and also a lot of pressure coming from all sides. So I think that was really uh, a sign that that Mainz performed quite well. Of course, it doesn't mean that on a different day, different time, different uh, situation in the Bundesliga and the title race, uh, Dortmund would probably, uh, probably smash them anyway, um, at least after a can opener by Holland or something, uh, but not on that Wednesday evening um, where just Dortmund wasn't, wasn't really um, that intense and also what I, what I just said about Hassan Sancho standing with, with their back towards the goal they didn't really have you know, someone they could play to uh, in, in, in the in the backspace or in the, in the space behind them so sometimes they, they were just lost and I think in, a, in another in, in a different match that w- wouldn't have happened and uh, Witzel or Brandt or Hakimi they would be, would have been much more present um, then and and, and be open to then receive the the backboards pass uh wasn't really happening against mines but uh yeah context is king in that regard uh, Mats Hummels apparently was audible uh you know criticizing his team for the alibi pressing and I, I think you could see that um in a in a game where Dortmund really is trying hard um the entire front three of uh, Sancho Haaland and Hazard and and I guess the the wingbacks as well, you know, just everyone, you know, would press much much harder, more intense, and uh, that just was not happening. Even Haaland was looking quite lazy and sluggish, which uh, I personally didn't expect. But yeah, it was uh, it was a very odd game from from Dortmund, and you could really see um, 
how they they just weren't up for it to go the 100% and Mainz did and in the Bundesliga as Julian Brandt said after the game uh, you know sometimes that's enough you know he admitted that Dortmund didn't want it as much as uh, Mainz wanted it and uh, I think Favre said at the press conference that uh, you know Dortmund uh, underestimated Mainz and uh, didn't defend and press collectively so um, yeah that's that's a pretty big indictment on the team but uh, also you know shows that the uh, motivation for them was absolutely not there and uh, you know whether they finish second or, or third apparently does not matter that much to Dortmund at, at least to the team I don't know how much it matters to the manager I don't know how big the difference is but a you want the prestige of uh, finishing ahead of Leipzig at least I guess and uh, you want the extra TV money that comes along with it it's it's a bit annoying but uh you know, it was also kind of interesting just to see how, how shaken Dortmund were in, in this game, how frustrated they are with their season because, uh, you know, the, the amount of yellow cards they received, uh, you know, it was six yellow cards and uh, that means Achaf Hakimi will be uh, out against Leipzig with the suspension. And, yeah, I mean, Dortmund obviously also with a lot of injuries going into this game. Manuel Kanji was out... Uh, on a shorthand with a muscular injury, Giorena, who I think was supposed to start or so, um, you know, he has a bacterial infection, whatever that means. Uh, so apparently not the Rona. And uh, of course, Mario Götze still, uh, for some reason, hasn't tested negative <laughs> after the two weeks since his uh, child was born. Uh, so he wasn't with the team. And obviously Royce and Delaney and uh, who else am I forgetting was, was not with the team. So yeah. Uh, it's it's a pretty long list, but uh, yeah. Still, if you look at the lineup that Dortmund had, uh, there really are not any excuses to lose against Mainz, other than uh, that Dortmund just sometimes are lackluster. And uh, I mean, at the end, there was a lot of uh, talk about the uh, Wettbewerbsverzerrung, as we say in German, uh, the competitive distortion. <laughs> I don't know if that's perfectly <laughs> translates, but uh, you know. I think I think there was some uh, competitive distortion by Werder Bremen because they clearly uh, rigged the title race by losing against Bayern. So um, it's it's them who really are to blame for this entire scenario here. Uh, because had they won, Dortmund probably would have won as well. Because then Dortmund still had something to play for. But uh, with Bremen losing and not taking advantage of uh, ten men Bayern, uh, yeah, there's nothing Dortmund really can do. But no, in all honesty. Um, you know, Dortmund actually dropped points against Paderborn and against Bremen in, in uh, home matches this season. So, um, and there were still things to play for. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear all these debates about the Wettbewerbsverzerrung or whatever. Just get, get the hell out of here. So, uh, yeah, that's just, <laughs> that's just nonsense. And uh, yeah, Mainz are just simply uh, lucky to play Dortmund at the time they played them, and that's, that's about it. So, um, yeah. That's all I have to say about this game. I mean, we can talk about uh, substitutions of Schmelzer and Morey and, and all that. And I think Nico Schulz came on in the end with a with a left-hand-sided uh, wing of, of Schmelzer and Schulz. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. If if you want to say a few words, Constantine, please go ahead. But I, 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 I'm beyond caring about this game, to be honest. So I, I don't need to dissect it uh, play by play, to be honest. Yeah, of course not. And I, I think sometimes it's not... Uh even even in other times it's not worth it, like to go through the match play by play or it's just 
I mean, I think most of the listeners have watched the match or at least saw bits and pieces of the match. And I think the they uh, have an idea of what went wrong. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what, what else to say. It, it's just, you can, of course, there might be coming some blame from Bremen and, and Dusseldorf, uh, who are right now um, in the relegation battle, and, and Mainz pretty much has pulled himself through this win out of the relegation battle. They are five points ahead. They are basically safe. At this point, I mean, congrats to them. Um, I don't know. I would, I I would jinx them because they play Bremen next. Yeah, and if I they know. lose, they're only two I points know. ahead for the final match day. So I know. it's I know. not entirely ruled out yet. But uh, yeah, it's. But it looks good. It looks good. It looks promising for them. And as I said, decent performance by Mainz. Um, so it wasn't like Dortmund scoring three own goals or something and, you know, uh, basically fumbling the whole thing uh, deliberately. Uh, was just Mainz was pretty good. Of course, then momentum got in there. The, the the first goal happened at a point when, when Dortmund was uh, a little bit on the on the downslide, and then um, Mainz scored. Dortmund come out of the halftime break, and and then you know an early second goal changes the entire complexion of the match. And then uh, what's Farfa uh, got to do at that point uh, doesn't really have the bench right now, I guess, <laughs> uh, because of the injuries and and. Uh, just unavailable uh, players. I mean, you they, they had Thailand Duman and then Ala Bakir yes. on the bench, you know, for yes, the first yes. time. And Tobias and Kasche, also. Yeah, Marco Rente. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. young, promising guys. I don't know if any one of them will, will make it, but it's not like they will get, get uh, on the field and then will turn things around. It's not not really the time and place. Um, so yeah, what he did is, is he, he switched from a from a back three to a back four with Schmelzer coming in and playing as the left back and Hakimi playing as the right back. That was his go-to move, basically. Uh, but, I mean, think about it. Uh, Dortmund's trading by two goals. Schmelzer comes comes on and uh, Favre switches to a, to a back four, which is, of course, the, the attacking move, the offensive move. Um, but, I mean, if that's all you got, really up your sleeve at that point uh it shows you that uh maybe i mean there wasn't really much on the bench and and just uh i don't think that that Favo didn't really know how to turn things around because of how it just like lost the performance uh, had been up to this point when when uh, mateta scored uh, scored a second goal so um sometimes you, you don't really i mean if you if, if if the team don't really perform that well and as a coach you can't really do anything at, uh, during the match at least that's really especially shortly after the break I and mean, sometimes you can uh, do something during the halftime break but after that it's just and I think even even the coach at, at some point doesn't really care fully anymore <laughs> uh, I mean it, it is like this right you, you see Byron celebrating the, the championship and you remember that a few weeks ago you were only four points behind playing Bayern, having a chance to, to get to them by only one point. Um, and then you don't, and you're seven points behind, and then you see them winning the, champion, uh, the championship, then you think, yeah, fuck it, uh, it's just season over. Uh, it's, even if you don't say it like out loud, and even like, like the players say, yeah, we will give 100% no matter what, you know that deep down inside you don't give these 100% and that's just it's just human um 
why would you at, 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 at such a point? Of course, you want to secure the second second place. Um, yes, but even then, you're you might only be at at uh, eighty or eighty five, ninety percent, and that's sometimes not not enough in in a top flight match. Um, and that's just what it is. And even as a coach, sometimes you're just like, oh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> Season over. We we don't. We, and even I would be more critical of the performance if Dortmund were still in in the cup final or something. You know where you say you have to be. You have to use these matches to get preparation for the cup final, but that's also not the case. So there's nothing there. There are there's nothing really. There's only the summer break. That's where you we are heading to, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I think that's that that wraps it up quite nicely. Um, so what happened in uh, in Düsseldorf that uh, game? Because Leipzig, I think, considered. Uh, two pretty late goals so uh, i guess their tensions also dropped huh well i mean yes they led to a nil after after um, 65 minutes or so they, they scored two goals pretty pretty quickly uh 60 minute and, and 63rd minute or so as it was really shortly after the first day they scored the second and it looked like uh, leipzig will will just win this match and will get close to dortmund but then uh scored the the 2-1, 87th minute or so. I mean, yeah, well, a little bit of concern. And then what happens? Of course, Leipzig concedes another goal after um, after a corner kick. Well, well, well. Who could have seen it coming? Why are um, they, are they susceptible on, on set pieces? Oh, yes, yes. That's like, the. I mean, if you, you have a scouting report uh, out there on Leipzig, major weakness, defensive set pieces. It's just like, I don't know how, you have to look it up, but I don't know how many goals they have conceded after set pieces, follow, especially following corner kicks. Um, or conceded goals, or like were on the edge of conceding one, you know, where they uh, scrapped the ball off the, uh, or cleared it off the line or something. But um, it's just, yes, uh, defensive set pieces is it's pretty bad. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's the, so uh, I think Andre Hoffmann um, then scored, a, scored the second one. Um, I think that while, I mean, Leipzig, they have been successful in, the re in recent weeks, but also I don't know what happened, but they didn't really come, come out of the, of the COVID break looking good. They did just not, they, their performance have been lackluster all around. Yes, they won against Cologne, they won against uh, Hoffenheim, but especially in home matches, Boy, oh boy. Yeah, they, they do every home game since the restart, didn't they? Yes, yes, they had three, three, uh, sorry, five home games, I think, um, and they threw in all three of them. F sorry, three home games, and they threw in all three of them. Um, so it's just um, intensity levels have dropped um, or weren't as high as they were, uh, or on as high as they were before the COVID break. So. Uh, it's. I mean, still they can win a couple of matches just uh, based on individual quality. I mean, that's just, uh, and I, I don't think Leipzig uh, they, they they aren't as radical in terms of like tactics um, as they were under Ralf Hasenhüttl and so they were. They are much more quote unquote normal, but of course because of the uh, because of the quality they have, um, they can still uh, can win a lot of matches. 
Um, and Nagasman, of course, makes makes these adjustments tactically, but he's not as radical. It's not like uh, he's, he's trying out all these all these outrageous systems or something. Um, but intensity is still a big part of Leipzig's game. And uh, even against Düsseldorf, I think they dominated, of course. Um, just like Dortmund dominated Mainz for uh, stretches of the match. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but then um, in the last 15 minutes or so and then in the last 15 minutes of the of the match just they just tried to cruise and it didn't didn't work out and and even even before that even before the two goals leipzig scored um they weren't as powerful and and as intense as they are usually as forceful is a better word uh, as they were a couple of months ago so um i don't know what happened uh, during the during the covid break uh just chilling and eating pizza or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know really uh, either. But I have a feeling that this game on Saturday will uh, pick up the intensity a little bit because I, I feel like uh, both teams really do want to win. And if Leipzig do win, uh, they will be level on points with Dortmund. And uh, since both teams have the same goal difference now, Leipzig mm. would leapfrog Dortmund ahead of the final match day. So um, I guess Dortmund just mustn't lose uh, if they want to retain second place. And of, then, of course, boogie team Hoffenheim on the final match day and people uh, who watched this game in 2013, which we will know, <laughs> not not mention any further, uh, will remember that shit show against Hoffenheim. So, um, yeah, Dortmund are not in a safe haven of second place quite yet. But, um, yeah, it's it will be a very interesting game. In, in many regards. Um, of course, there is this whole, uh, I guess, topic of Timo Werner joining S Chelsea. I think that has been uh, made official today. So how do you assess the move of Timo Werner to Chelsea? Uh, from from what perspective? Yours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's... it's uh, I, I, well, I think he, he favored uh, a move to Liverpool initially. Um, I mean, he talked to Klopp on more than one occasion he uh, during the during the COVID break, um, and but he uh, basically gave Klopp a deadline that uh, it was in mid mid April. Or so he basically told Klopp that at Liverpool had to make a decision. Klopp went to the to the board. Uh, they said no, we we don't pay the the fifty million euros. Um, so and then when the deal was off. Uh, with, with Liverpool, so I think I think Liverpool was his first choice. Do Do you think Liverpool will rule the uh, uh, the choice of not buying him, or do you think that they actually made a good decision by not paying the big bucks for Timo Werner? Werner would have been a bargain for for Liverpool. Um, they didn't go for it, um, and what you have to keep in mind is that they. If you look at the at the squad of Liverpool's, um, they at least need one more attacking player because um, Mane and Shala will play the African Cup of Nations in in January and February. So usually a busy time in Premier League uh, in the Premier League world. So um, then you only have uh, um, Firmino left, and that's it. I think it could it would help to have a at least one more striker and then he could have a, a bit more rotation you know let, let uh, maybe giving Firmino some rest or sign or Mane um so but in, uh, I think Werner would have been a great addition and as for Chelsea the transfer ban in in 2019 in hindsight was a blessing I guess 
because now they have fresh fresh cash. Of course, our product is also pumping in cash, um, and now they can go shopping. And they they signed Ziyech, and now they 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 signed uh, Werner, and um, they already have a talented attacking department, in my opinion. Sure, surely. I mean, they have uh, this kid called Pulisic. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say purely uh, that there have been a couple of or a few players. Haven't really delivered um, as expected. Pulisic is one of them, I guess. Now they are pumping the gas, and uh, they could they could be more than just the the third, fourth, or fifth wheel in this in this Premier League title race. And that's uh, that's what they are trying to do. I don't I don't think they they are talking about uh, yeah, winning the Champions League. It's more about uh, can we get back into the title race, into the real title race, and not just hanging behind uh, the others. Um, and I think I mean they can, I guess, uh, with with these signings. Sure, why not? It's it's a bit weird. It's a bit of a head scratcher to me because I don't think uh, you know he will go to the heights. He maybe could have gone uh, at Chelsea, then he will at uh, another club. But uh, you know what do I know? But but one thing, one thing, one last addition to to that point. I, I see where we're getting because like Chelsea, uh, they don't they don't really have the reputation a couple of other clubs have. Um, but what I think, what in Werner's case, last season. He talked to Bayern extensively. Then they decided against. Uh, they, they decided to not sign him. He got an offer by Atletico. That was it. Um, or I, I don't know if it was an offer, but there was like Atletico was openly saying we are interested in signing him. All right, that's it. But he wasn't really. Uh, he wasn't really interested in going to Atletico. Then this. Then then uh, a year later, he talks to Liverpool. Deal falls through because Liverpool don't want to um, pay the release clause or pay the pay the transfer fee that's that's in the release clause. They wanted to negotiate with Leipzig and Leipzig weren't, weren't having it uh, because why? It's still fifty million, right? And then and, and by the way, last last season when Bayern opted against signing uh, against him, the I think the release clause was at, at, at 25, 26, 27 million. All right, signed against him. All right. And now this summer, Liverpool said no. Then Chelsea uh, came around and he said, all right, I do it. Because I, I think at one point you get a little bit um, impatient for all these negotiations and, uh, you know, clubs are pulling out. No, it's uh, it's it's maybe just uh, my, my way of thinking. If he's rejected, quote unquote, by Bayern and the, by Liverpool, you know, you, you, you basically say, okay, there must be something wrong with this guy. Um, but uh, I mean, he's he's an awesome striker, but he needs to play in the right system, I would say. And uh, I I never really rated his football IQ. I, I still feel like his decision making could be better. But that being said, I feel like it has improved a little bit uh, since Julian Nagelsmann arrived. Yeah. Um, I don't know if yes. that had to do with him dropping a bit deeper and learning more roles, and hence uh, getting a better understanding for the game because. If you play in a different position, you just broaden your horizon as a player. And I, I feel like this is what happened for Werner, at, at least over the course of a season. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's a really good player. But, uh, yeah, it's it's obviously going to be a big blow for, for Leipzig, who um, were maybe planning in the long term to get Haaland from Salzburg before Dortmund snatched him up. Or I, I, I don't know, but that's, that's how I would imagine... Uh, their long-term planning went if you have uh you know a Haaland in in your sister club or whatever playing around but uh, yeah I'm I'm sure Leipzig will be fine and we'll find another striker um now on Saturday 
Um, I assume Werner will play. Uh, will he play behind Schick and next to Olmo, or where will he play? And uh, what kind of what kind of system do you think Nagelsmann will apply against the black and yellows? He he will play up front on the on the left side. Uh, he's he's the left sided center forward, which is a weird term, but uh, I think you you know where I'm getting it with that. Um, they right now they play with a with a midfield diamond. They meaning Leipzig. Uh, almost number ten, and Werner is a little bit more on the left. Then um, I think Schick might might be playing on the right. Ninkunku, uh, by the way, played uh, as the right sided. Striker against Düsseldorf because Nikunku can play uh, can play it all or can do it all. Um, I should say. So yeah, I mean Werner will will play uh, obviously, and and Schick might play against um, Dortmund. Uh, maybe Nikunku drops back or um, and almost benched. Although Olmo has done quite well uh, after I was very critical of his first performances for Leipzig because he just looked slow and sluggish uh, but now he's he's much sharper and um, that's that's good for him um, yeah so I guess that, that will be a, a midfield diamond which is actually interesting um, interesting system against Dortmund um, because what you also see in the Mainz match is that sometimes uh, Dortmund are struggling with uh, being outnumbered in, in the center midfield um, sure. Wissel and, and Prant then being outnumbered and if you're if if they play against a midfield diamond with at least Kampel, Adams, Olmo in in, this, uh, in the center midfield, maybe Sabitzer is a, a bit out wide sometimes, but still, um, then you got at least three or maybe four players uh, in the center spaces. Um, so I'm interested in how Dortmund will react to it. If um, someone uh, maybe Guerrero as the as the um, wing back will move. To the inside a little bit or something like that. I'm I'm really interested because there are also not a not a lot of clubs uh, using a diamond. Yeah, except Werder Bremen from time to time. I feel um, well, but yeah, but they could also <laughs> play. I mean, they could also play like Brazil uh, 1982 and wouldn't really make a difference, right? <laughs> Fair enough. So um, yeah, what uh, will be interesting from a Dortmund perspective is obviously how they will replace Araf Hakimi. Um, oh. And whether that means Faru will switch to a back four, or uh, whether Moray will just plug into that uh, wing back position, and uh, we'll see how how that goes. Um, would you do that? If would you just stick to the three four two one system uh, as if you were Faru and uh, just plug Moray into that position, and maybe I don't know have him play a little bit more on the inside. I think he would go up uh, mostly against uh, Angelino and Halstenberg, am I right? Yeah, um, that's right. So, mm, I, actually, I mean, based on what I just said about uh, Leipzig's diamond and you know being uh, having this presence in the middle of the pitch, uh, it might be time to move back to at least return once to the 4-3-3 three, three and have three center midfielders. Um, then you can work around uh, Hakimi being unavailable and Piszczek playing as the right back mm, and uh, Guerrero as, as the left back, I guess. Uh, Witzel, Prandt and... Witzel, Prandt and... Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> and the third one. And the third one, uh, I mean, usually Guerrero would be a natural addition to the center midfield. Yeah. Um, but since he 
would have to play on the left or or you play Schmelzer or Schulz uh, as a left back. But jeez. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, but but you see, you see, it, it would be helpful uh, to get a couple of players back <laughs> if you if you want to get something out of out of this team. Um, yeah, because. <laughs> Well, yeah. that's, that's uh, quite a center, back, a center back would be helpful, so John can play in the in the center midfield again. Yeah, having Zagadou, for example, would help massively, but he's out. Uh, I don't know if Akanji will be fit or not. Uh, if he is, then John can play in center midfield. John and Brandt and Witzel, and that would work out, I think. Uh, so yeah, but but there you go. I, I think you can you can go back to the four three three. But of course, from a more of a uh, like let's say a player development perspective, uh, yeah, I mean Moray playing on the right side. Yes, yes, uh, I'm all for it because uh, Hakimi will be out the door in a few weeks, and at least I think so. Um, and Moray, sure, there's also Munier on the horizon. Uh, but Moray, I think he he will be asked to carry a more load than he has done this season. I mean, and, uh, Moray has forward momentum, and it could be in the future that yes. he plays as the right wing back if Dortmund stick to the yeah. system and uh, Monier plays uh, in the pitchcheck position, for example. So um, yeah, I would definitely do it. I don't even care if Dortmund lose or not because um, yeah, as as much as it would suck to finish third in the end, um, I, I feel like. Having Moray there is is more value, and I'm I'm completely honest. Whether you play Moray or or somebody else, I don't think in the grand grand scheme of things this will not uh, make or break the Dortmund team, and whether they will win or lose. I think Moray is should be capable enough, and, and unless he has like horrendous mistakes in in his positioning, then um, yeah, that that's going to be Espe- bad. Especially if you if you don't trust him now, um, then you won't trust him in August or September or, exactly. or October. Uh, it's just, uh, and I mean, then, then, like, I, I, I understand that maybe you don't trust uh, Russell also uh, with with that kind of match against Leipzig, although Russell is a talented uh, center midfielder. But um, you know, of course, then uh, I understand that. But if you don't trust Moray now when he's really fully fit, um, then I mean, what, what, what's the what's the point in even having having him? All right, so um, I'm glad we figured this one out. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if if Gio Reyna will return. I don't think he will. Uh, if he has an infection, so um, yeah, it's it's going to be really uh, problematic for Dortmund that they uh, well they do have a deep squad, but they just have so many injuries and and uh, yeah infections and all kinds of trouble. And obviously the Hakimi suspension doesn't help either in this context. So um, yeah, I mean Dortmund are, are very lucky that uh, Rafael Guerrero is. Uh, able to play after he shoved his finger into an uh, opponent's face. Uh, you know, for me, that would have been a red card. But uh, the referee was a bit more lenient and only showed a yellow. But yeah, I thought there was uh, over the line and, and just complete, uh, you know, mm. un- unsportsmanlike conduct. So um, for, for me, this would have been a red card. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Overall, Dortmund just uh, not not at their best behavior uh in in many ways against mines. So um yeah, we'll see if they can turn it up against uh, again against Leipzig or whether this will be just a dull scrap and uh, Dortmund will get pummeled again or Leipzig also don't care and uh, it will peter out in a scoreless draw or whatever. I don't care, but um Constantine, for the sake of it, please give me your prediction. Yes, uh two two. Alright. Two two draw. I am going for a three two win for Leipzig. And hope Ooh. with my uh, reverse jinx uh, I will achieve a lot, but I don't think it works if you announce it 
But um, yeah, I was just wanted to say you chinked your your chinking. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, great. Yeah, please uh, tell our listeners where to uh, read the content that you write. Uh, I've read earlier today that you were uh, writing about the uh, German uh, Rona app. <laughs> yeah, the German the German uh, Corona virus track and trace app uh yeah i mean you can find uh me on twitter as always um cc underscore ecknr and there you can find my my stuff and also i i've written a longer piece on timo werner's uh chelsea move for bbc so that's also somewhere there when you go onto my twitter page yeah uh don't you also have a youtube channel that you want to plug for german listeners yes um i have um so I, I got a new domain, but I'm not sure if it's uh, working. So uh, it's youtube.ccekner.com. That's the okay. URL I, I created. Very, very creative there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how much traffic you will get from this plug. <laughs> I wouldn't hold my breath, but um, yeah, otherwise... Uh, ah, well, I mean, yes, why, why not? It's more of, a, more of a private file, not private, but it's more of a fun project and not like... I, I, it's, I, don't, it's, it's I not never believe that will be a YouTube star with millions of subscribers, so it's more like... Well, for that, you like, need to yell a little bit more and to have funny thumbnails, I think. It's uh, at least a start. We will work on that. We will, I, I, I need an assistant. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll Photoshop your grimace on, on top of your thumbnail. No problem, but uh, that's a hundred bucks an hour. So, <laughs> uh, no, but jeez, <laughs> you are like, I, I just wanted to make a joke, but I uh, refrained from doing. Anywho, it uh, you can follow me at Stefan Wutzko on Twitter. <laughs> no YouTube channel, although you can subscribe to our YouTube channel on uh, well YouTube. <laughs> Uh, if you just enter yellow wall, pod, you're horrible. <laughs> yeah, if you just enter yellow wall pod, uh, into the uh, search bar, then you shall find it. And uh, yeah, before this gets even messier, uh, I will just say, uh, as always, thank you for listening. And uh, if you want to subscribe to the show, please do that via uh, aforementioned YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. If you want to read our written content, go to theyellowwall.net. And if you want to contribute financially or sponsor an episode, go to patreon.com slash the yellow wall. And uh, this should be it for this week. And we will be back to, I guess, dissect the Leipzig game if we feel like it. Because, you know, if it's a boring game, we'll just talk for five minutes, uh, some smack, and then we'll be out again. So, um, Constantine, thanks for coming on and... Again, everyone out there, thank you for listening. And to our patrons, thank you for the support and everyone else for sharing and whatnot. And with that, until next time, goodbye. What? Uh, I wouldn't say that. No. Christina fragt gerade, ob du wie Günther Steiner bist.